1: And I'm McKelly. Thank you for joining us for episode 206 of our chapter-by-chapter book review of A Song of Ice and Fire by George Martin. Today, we'll be discussing chapter 62 of A Storm of Swords. That's Jamie 7.
0: And as always, we're going to chat about the chapter. We're going to try not to spoil any future plot points for you. And hopefully, we're going to provide you some
1: entertainment along the way. We will summarise what happened, discuss our thoughts on it, provide some useful background, compare it to the television show, indulge in a little pedantry and cover some relevant news and listener correspondence. Be sure to check out the show notes for extra information about the characters and geography of this chapter. How are you, sir? I am doing all right. It was a bit of an
0: ordeal for me to get into my recording room here.
2: You
1: tell.
0: So, you know, you, you are very familiar with the fact that my house sits on a bit of a slope. Yes, it does. Slopey front yard, house, slopey backyard. It's like right. a, yeah. a, if my house wasn't in the way, it'd be the perfect sled riding hill. Yes, it would be quite the hill. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh and so we discovered that our our basement floor was kind of falling away with the slope of the hill. So uh the you know, you've got the the uh the carpet goes up to the what, uh, yeah, and what's the trim on the the base the baseboard, right? And well, in most well, skirting of
1: the... skirting board for our English listeners,
0: okay. In in most of the basement, it goes right up to it, but in at the the far ends of the back of the house, it was below the baseboard, so it had it had started to fall to the point where you could oh. see between the baseboard oh. and the carpet.
2: So that
1: seems kind of fundamental. It does.
0: Which is why we had to get it addressed, I which see. Uh, they came this afternoon noon to do it. So we had to move all of the furniture to this side of the basement. So, in was, that
1: order- the, was that the solution? <laughs> yeah,
0: so now we're, now we're good. Just keep anything off of that side. It's like a
1: seesaw, McKelly. You've got to yeah. put weight on
0: this side. Yeah. It'll pop that side right back up. Oh, <laughs> uh, But in order to get to this room, I had to go over, under, and around about five different pieces of furniture so So what uh, was
1: their solution like just like a wider piece of baseboard to hide the crack (laughs) not for
0: what they charged us (laughs) better not have been the solution i should have been watching more closely (laughs) so what they do is they drill holes into the concrete we've already had to have this done in our garage our garage had a A more significant oh
1: so you you knew this was you knew the
0: basic idea okay and we we knew the cost so uh (laughs) we were prepared for it they drill holes into the concrete and then pump this uh poly material down in there and then it hardens and it lifts as it uh Uh, so it it goes underneath the
1: concrete and then when it hardens it lifts it up interesting and it
0: it's twofold it Goes into the concrete. It goes under the concrete, lifts it, but it also seals out the cracks where any water oh, might might dig out the uh, the additional earth.
1: Wow! So really interesting.
0: Yeah, the three three uh, nice young guys, and um, they did <laughs> they did some uh, side work for us off the books. Which, okay, you know, that's, that's I, I won't give the company nice. name, but they, you know, my driveway's got, got quite a slope to it too. And there, <laughs> there's some issues in there. They, uh they're like, here, if you cut us a check for this amount to this guy's. Personal bank account, <laughs> and and we will do all this work for you for about a quarter of what the company would have charged. Oh, that's nice. That's yeah.
2: Nice.
0: And we know what the company would have charged because we got a quote for all that work from the company, and it was about a quarter of what the company would have charged. Yeah, so well. they're going to uh, take
1: their piece. Yeah, Stacy's so- like,
0: hey, if we um if we ever need any other work, how do I get any more off the books type work?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> If you, if you do, Carson is very careful to sort of like our checkbook, she writes in the whatever the other part of the checkbook is. She records every check she writes. Right. So you can just refer her back and then you've got the guy's name, yeah? Oh, right. Um, true. <laughs> yes.
2: <Yeah. laughs> and
1: that, that story kind of reminds me of I, I'm pretty sure I've told this on the pod, but when I went. Um, Doing archery, cousin bought me a archery lesson. Yes, I,
0: i've I've heard I've heard many a good story from that one archery lesson.
2: <laughs> I
0: keep missing low and to the left. We we'll aim up and to the right. <laughs> That's the bit
1: that it reminded me of. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, I see your problem here, mate. You got too much furniture on this side of the room. <laughs> I love that that was your lesson I keep missing too low and to the left (laughs) I just assumed there was something fundamental that I was doing wrong he was like well just aim up and to the left you'll be fine (laughs) oh
0: wow thank goodness you are here I could have never parsed that one out
1: (laughs) another part about that that still cracks me up a little bit is that he handed us the bows and then he he handed us the bows and about 8 seconds later he gave the one big safety piece of advice, which is when you pull the bowstring back and release it, yeah. keep I'm... your left elbow away from the bowstring.
2: Yes. But in yes. that
1: eight seconds, <laughs> I went. <laughs> <laughs> and your
0: forearm was never the same.
1: Oh, my giddy godfathers did that. <laughs> oh,
0: yes. I remember my grandfather used to have... Uh, Several bows and a lot of arrows. And so I used to do some archery in his property when I was a kid. And it would always, if you weren't wearing that arm protector. Right. See, he didn't it, tell me, keep your elbow out. He right. just said, wear this protector.
2: So
1: Right. That that also would work. <laughs> you know, if it whacks into the protector, it's the protector that's getting hurt, not right. you. Yes, but yes. I can assure you, if you hit your arm, it hurts a lot.
0: It stings.
1: Uh so i've I've been to the beach we we we've we've had Labor Day in the United States, which again, as I've said before, you get it all back to front you do labor days in May and Veterans memorial type day should be at the end of the summer, but you do it the wrong way around so. <laughs> you do, uh, and, and and you start the week on Sundays,
0: yeah that one I that one I, I really i've I'm born and raised here, and I don't like that one in my mind it always starts on Monday anyway.
1: right uh, but because um, it was Labor Day weekend, we went with our friends to the beach and we had a rare old time. But I was telling you yesterday that Carson had a quite the spill. Yes, in, yes, in you did tell and me this. The funniest thing about it is how utterly calm the sea was.
2: The sea Except was... For...
1: <laughs> it was. It was like a lake. There was no movement at all. And Carson managed to find this one wave that just picked her up and slammed her chin first into the beach. Oh. And she, she looks a little bit beaten and bruised from it
0: yes yes i'm sure that this sounds rough when it slams you down like that oh yeah
1: yeah uh but we had a very nice time and we we're grateful to our friends for inviting us
0: that is great i'm glad you guys mm-hmm. had a good time we we had a um it was a momentous week this week molly had her second monday of her senior year of high school. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting all week just to use that one joke. <laughs> and I almost forgot it. <laughs> I was going to open with that joke.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, uh, yes.
1: Was, was that it? I, I thought that was part one of no, two. No, that you know? was it. I just that was use that it. joke. <laughs> well played. Well played. Well, let's get down to business. How did we leave Jamie Lannister? Last be sort of Jamie. He was setting off to King's Landing with the Bolton's men including Highburn the fallen maester but after a night on the road and a troubled dream he insisted that they return to Harrenhal Jamie then saved Brienne from the bear that she'd been forced to fight by Vargo Hote who was still mad about his ear that Brienne bit off
0: bit yeah, into bit, bit not entirely off but bit a chunk off, off of
1: bit a of chunk off nasty um and now having been saved, she joined the party heading south to King's Landing. McKelly, uh, why don't we give the summary of this one?
0: All right. In this summary, nope, this is just just me.
1: I was going <laughs> to say, this is you, sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, no one else. Anyway, so Jamie, Brienne and company can see and smell King's Landing in the near distance. Jamie trots back to give Brienne the news. She succeeded in her mission of returning him to his family, if minus a hand. A despondent Brienne reminds Jamie that this was only half of her mission.
1: Both Jamie and Brienne received terrible news on the journey from Harrenhal to King's Landing. Brienne learned of Catelyn Stark's death, making it impossible for her to fulfil her promise of returning Cat's girls to her. Jamie learned that his firstborn son was murdered at his own wedding feast. Brienne had been devastated by the news. Jamie, on the other hand, cannot seem to get too emotional over Geoffrey's death.
0: Jamie's primary source of sadness is a thought of Cersei in mourning. As for Joff, well, if the gods gave him a choice of his right hand back or his son, the choice would be easy. Joff lived and died believing that Robert Baratheon was his father. Along with the news of Joff's death came the rumour that it was Tyrion who killed him. Now this is distressing in a story Jaime refuses to believe.
1: Jaime and his caravan passed through a city gate full of farmers hoping to sell their wares in the city. The group enter the Red Keep and meet three of his Kingsguard brothers, two of whom earned their white cloaks after Jaime left the city. All are shocked to see him, but Sir Loras is more shocked to see Brienne. He accuses her of murdering Renly and demands to fight her on the spot.
0: Brienne pleads her innocence, but Loras isn't buying her a shadow-did-it story. Jaime defuses the situation and has Brienne sent to a tower cell to appease Loras. He then makes for the Sept and Cersei. At the Sept Gate, he has a run-in with Sir Osmond Kettleblack, who fails to recognize him at first.
1: Cersei is alone in the Sept, aside from Joffrey's body. She can hardly believe her eyes at the sight of Jaime. Jaime goes to his mourning twin. They embrace, and she notices his shaved head. He says the hair will grow back. He then shows her his right stump and tells her the hand won't. Cersei blames the Starks, but he corrects her. It was Vargo Hote's doing. The conversation turns
0: to their dead son. Cersei tells Jamie that Tyrion did it. He told her that he was going to do it, and he did. She wants Jamie to avenge Joffrey's death and kill Tyrion. Jamie's going to need a bit more info first. Cersei says he will. There's to be a trial. The twins then get down to what they do best, right there in front of their dead son's body.
1: Not necessarily best, but most often. I guess, yes. Afterward, Cersei says it was dangerous what they did, and they must be more careful, especially with their father in the castle. Jaime, on the other hand, is sick of being careful. He asks Cersei to wed him and let the world know their love. Cersei thinks Jaime has lost his mind. Tommen's claim to the throne derives entirely from Robert. Jaime doesn't care. They'll move to Casterly Rock, and Tommen will be his heir. Let their father sit the throne. We'll be right back.
0: Hello, friends. Are you ready to make some unforgettable memories? Well, if so, consider the Marriott Bonvoy program. Discover the perfect destination for your summer getaway and unlock exclusive deals on luxurious accommodations. With our affiliate partnership, you'll enjoy unbeatable savings and a seamless booking experience. Don't let summer slip away. Visit Marriott Bonvoy today and make this vacation season one for the books. Use our Ghosts of Hall affiliate page to check it all out, and buy Bonvoy points or give some as a gift. The link to our page is in the show notes. Cersei's heard enough. She sends him away, suggesting that he go to their father. Feelings hurt, Jaime does as he's told. He finds his father in his solar. Tywin had been expecting Jaime sooner. He got the news of Jaime's release from Riverrun through Varys soon after it happened. Tywin had sent men to find him. But he hadn't gotten the news of Jamie's missing right hand. Jamie says it was the Lord of Harrenhal, Varga Hote's work. Tywin informs him Hote is no longer the Lord of Harrenhal. The mountain took the castle from him with little effort.
1: Bagain found Hote sitting alone, fevered and in pain. A wound to his ear had festered. Jamie can't wait to tell Brienne that news. <laughs> Jamie assures Tywin he can fight just as well with his left hand as his right. Tywin goes to present Jaime with a gift, but Jaime isn't interested at the moment. He wants to know of Joffrey's death and Tyrion's involvement. Tywin says it was poison, as there was no obstruction in his throat, and that Tyrion served the king poison wine in front of all in attendance. Jaime
0: questions whether Tywin would actually execute his own son. Tywin says they must consider the evidence. Jaime knows what kind of evidence will be cooked up in this city of liars. Besides, now two kings have conveniently died right when Stannis needed them to. Tywin isn't interested in conspiracy theories. However, he is interested in getting his heir back. He tells Jaime that he can't serve in the Kingsguard without his sword hand. And Cersei set precedent for the Kingsguard not serving for life when she removed Barristan Selmy on grounds of age.
1: When Jaime talks of his duty to the Kingsguard, Tywin reminds him he has a duty to his house. Jamie will be heir to Casterly Rock. He will go there and take Tommen with him to get him away from his mother. On top of that, Tywin wants to marry Jamie to Marjorie Tyrell and Cersei to Oberyn Martell. Jamie explodes. He will do no such thing, nor will Cersei. He's the Lord Commander of the Kingsguard and nothing more. After a very long, tense silence, Tywin tells Jamie he is not his son. If Jamie is the Lord Commander of the Kingsguard and nothing else, then go do your duty, sir.
0: What parent hasn't had that kind of conversation with their son?
1: <laughs> Usually followed by some regrets over that which was said. But yes, I'm figuring Tywin's not cut from the same cloth as the rest of us.
0: Yeah, I I hope it's just you know just anger in the moment, and they will both yeah uh, cool off, and uh, it will be water under the bridge.
1: The first thing you've written here in the discussion is that this was the long-awaited re-arrival in King's Landing of Jaime. But in many ways, I think, as a reader, I was more interested in Brienne's arrival in King's Landing because she's the one who's got something to do now. Jaime, you know, all things being equal, I expected Jaime to go back to being Lord Commander of the Kingsguard and probably wanting to stop his sister. (laughs) 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 But Brienne has a task here, you know.
0: She did anyway. Right. Now, yeah. both of her objects of uh, the yes. task have, have yes. left the city. Right. And she doesn't know where that, either of them have gone.
1: Right, that's right. And also, the, the the point where she's supposed to complete the task is also gone. You yes. Know, she's supposed to take the two of them to Catelyn.
0: Yes. Is, she has neither become... of them
1: and no Catelyn left.
0: Yeah. Her mission truly has become impossible at this point. She yeah. she has no idea where either kid is, and she the person she's supposed to bring him back to is no yeah. longer living. So, but you know, we did learn, we did get to see both Jamie and Brienne learn about the red and purple weddings while on the road from King's Landing to Harrenhal. They had what appears to be different impacts on the two, right. and know.
1: and of course they they should have been the other way around, given the closeness yes. of the relatives involved. Yes, know. yes. It was a lady you've known for a few months and your son. Right, but your firstborn son. Brienne is the one who's utterly devastated by the news. And Jamie's uh, like,
0: ho-hum. Yeah, well, boy, Cersei's going to be upset. That
1: is- <laughs> yes, that, that is exactly where his mind went. He went, ho-hum, I'd rather get my hand back, but Cersei.
0: I was surprised at how well the rumor mill got some of the key details right.
1: You know what? That's a, that's a consistent thing in this in this story. Every time we've had this, there's been the grains of truth have been in there. Yes, so, often scattered amongst the stories, but all, yes. always there.
0: Right. Not not the Tyrion opening his throat. That was what one of the right one of the people were saying.
1: But Incorrect.
0: The the big chalice, um, yep. Sansa's blame and disappearance, and Joff's yep. face turning purple. Yeah, uh, all. Pretty accurate, so you know that that's yeah. like you said. It, it does seem to be a case that there's a, a lot of truth in the rumors that you hear yeah. in Westeros. There must be a really good rumor mill in Westeros. Mm.
1: You know, on Netflix you spread rumors, you know? <laughs> right? So his feelings towards Joffrey, of course, are complex, and it's not something that's been sort of talked about very much. I mean, he is his firstborn son, but as As Jamie thinks, he didn't really care about him because he was never allowed to treat him like his son. Right. Partly, And partly Joffrey lived and died, always believing that Robert was his father, despite the noise around him, to the contrary. Yes. He presumably didn't believe it.
0: And, you know, he wonders, Jamie wonders, if because... He's not feeling the sadness he feels like he should feel if he's possibly the the monster that everyone claims he is, but
2: yeah.
0: you know, certainly he's not going to win Father of the Year. But n- neither was Robert going
1: to win that. No, and no. I, I mean, I mean, literally, they did almost exactly the same as Father for Joffrey, with right. one notable exception: Jamie actually created the child right know. biologically yeah.
0: yes and, and uh you know his reaction's definitely not what what a a typical father would feel in this situation but you know Joff lived his whole life thinking that that Jamie was just his uncle and uh you know possi- possibly he saw what an awful person joffrey was and and that further caused him to be a emotionally distant from joff yeah. he has precedence here he
1: he witnessed what Ares was like oh
0: yes yes he did yes.
1: and took action to stop that so maybe he's thinking this has saved me from another round two of the king slaying
0: yeah and we've heard the comparisons both Tyrion and tywin had made comparisons about joffrey being another Ares the second Right and, right. and you know the the first thing that Jamie does when he gets in the into the sept with Cersei is he thinks that Joffrey's going to need every one of those prayer candles of the hundreds that are right, burning right. which is just you know kind of more indication that he's aware of what Joff was which seems to be unlike yeah. Joffrey's mother thinks yeah. or was aware of.
1: And as you mentioned Jamie's primary concern is for Cersei not for he uh, doesn't not Joffrey so he really does love her. There's no question about that. But the difference between Jaime and Cersei is that Jaime also really loves Tyrion. Right. And that's going to cause problems, I think, down the line, because Jamie's going to be inclined to believe Tyrion. And agreed. Cersei is going to be very much inclined to not believe Tyrion.
0: Also agreed.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. And so <laughs> the, the question for me is, can this love that he feels for Cersei survived that because if she insists on Tyrion's death that's going to hurt Jamie very very much yes and it started to make me think I, I, I actually think in some ways it will I think that 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 his love for her would survive anything because he can't help himself. You know, he's my, blindly in love with her. Uh, yeah. And would forgive her just about anything.
0: I could see your point. And,
1: and then that got me thinking about me and you. <laughs> and I think that you might be like Jamie. I think you might be your, your relentless sentimentality is a sign of how deeply you love your loved ones. I see your point. And I, on the other hand, I think I am not Cersei exactly, but kind of Tyrion, <laughs> you know, that, that my love is somewhat contingent. I I have I don't love as deeply, and I have sort of expectations around the, my love, and I all everything's contingent. If if someone were to cross me, they could lose my love, whereas you would forgive.
0: Uh, just just keep rolling on, exactly. Rolling on with you know. the, let the love flow over.
1: Yeah. So so <laughs> there you go. Uh-huh, that, that was, see. That's my little theory that you're you're Jamie Lannister.
0: To our sustainers who were on the call last night, this is the comparison I was referring to during last night's call
1: no i I didn't know i didn't know what you were talking about
0: yes this was this is what i was referring to Mm -hmm. so he he is sure that he would choose and by he i mean jamie obviously is sure that he would choose his hand over joff and you know i have to respect him being honest with himself he could Mm. lie to himself and say i would i would give up my other hand to get my son back but you know he's he's being honest with himself and I respect that. It certainly shows a, a selfish side, but again, he never truly bonded with Joff in any meaningful way. And uh, by Cersei's doing, he explains that he was never even allowed to hold uh, Joffrey as a boy, but also seemingly he had no interest in on, 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 on Jamie's part and getting to uh, any sort of even on the down-low fatherly relationship with Joff. He could have taken Joff into the yard and trained with him. I mean, uncles do that kind of thing. He could have yeah. taken Joff hunting or whatever.
1: Yeah, but but Cersei put him off it because Cersei was concerned that the more they were seen together, the more it would yes. look like there was something wrong. Even though you're absolutely right, there's nothing more natural than an uncle, you know, looking after a, a, a nephew Particularly a nephew who's being ignored by his father, right? But I do take Cersei's point on this one because uh, it—you w- know—the more you see the two of them together, you more <laughs> think, "Wow,
0: <laughs> wow, he is a spinning image of the of him." You know, I was thinking that given the chance, I think Tyrion might have been the more caring, better role model than Jamie or Robert if he had if he had been given that opportunity.
1: Tyrion always tried to better Joffrey.
0: Yes. Much to his own detriment.
1: Right. Exactly. I mean, he tried to make Joffrey a better person. I mean, often brutally, I remember him slapping him to make him go and give his uh, sorrow to the Starks over Bran's fall. But you should do that. And someone should tell you to do that. And if necessary, slap you to get you to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So Brienne, as we said, has gone pretty numb since learning of the Red Wedding. She, she her mission's completely broken. Uh, Jamie offers to return her to Tarth or get her a place in the Red Keep. Uh, Brienne thinks as a lady companion to Cersei would be uh, would be a disaster for all involved. I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. sure we can all agree on that. <laughs> uh,
0: you know, I, I do agree on that. But um, there's one little piece of me wonders if Cersei might like having a, a female body, like a. Uh kind of like how the hound was to Joffrey, a personal protector who was a big, strong, tough female, but yes, then I was thinking I was thinking about her talking to Sansa during the Battle of the Blackwater, and she it seemed as though she wasn't necessarily a feminist in the sense that she wanted better for all women. she just felt like she was special and wanted better for herself, and that she was different than all other women, so.
1: I don't know. I mean, it would generally be convenient because, like for instance, when you were bathing or getting changed, she oh. could be in the room with you. So for just for that reason, but it would be difficult to imagine Brienne hearing of the things that Cersei has oh, done yeah. to the Starks and being very forgiving.
0: You know? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that there'd be a way for. I don't know that their personalities would would mesh in any way. But but I did wonder if Cersei might be like, ah, yeah. That would, yeah, I'd be interested in that as long as she is my protector and not like a lady in waiting or something. Right,
1: right. Jamie thinks about her place in the gold cloaks and I'm not sure she would really fit in with them. She's way too upstanding to be a gold cloak.
0: I had the same thought. I worried about her treatment among those largely uncouth men. But, you know, it, she wouldn't have been a good fit under slint The for the gold cloaks under slint. Way too corrupt for for her she would have been a, probably a pretty good fit under Jocelyn Bywater. He seemed to be a pretty upstanding, honorable man, and she might have been able to get behind that. Yeah. And, and the current commander of the Gold Cloaks is Adam Marbrand, and he also seems fairly honorable. He, he fights for the Lannisters, so you know that kind of paints him in a negative light for us, but all the details that I can recall, he seems like a, a pretty decent guy.
1: Right. So yeah, that's good point. That's that's true. I think I think Slint's stint as the leader of the Gold Cloaks <laughs> has colored them for us. You know, they are Yes, yes. They're always tarnished by that time. You're right, there have actually been some fairly upstanding uh, leaders. Uh of course the thing about that is one rotten leader can make the rank and file rotten forever.
0: Yes. Yes, it, it creates creates a culture, and the only way to get rid of that culture is to remove the people that bought into that toxic culture. Right, which culture. the slint
1: was probably just about everybody.
0: Yes, right, yeah. right. So Lord Clement Piper, uh, we learn, sent an envoy to bend the knee to Joffrey. Uh, we, we learn this from the guard at the gate, and uh, the guard at the gate also tells Jamie and uh, Still Shanks Walton that others have come to do the same. And... Um, you know, we had conjectured that many river lords would find it hard to resist now that Rob is dead, Ebmir is captured, and a large amount of the riverlands and northern army has died. So, yeah. Uh, and we also learned that other lords had been captured and not killed at the Red Wedding. It, it mentions, uh, the guard mentions to Jamie that uh, Mark Piper, who is Clement's son, was captured at the Red Wedding, not killed. And Mark's been around since uh, he was one of the knights reporting to Ned about the mountain raiding the Riverlands, which oh, sent, right. which is when yeah. Ned sent Beric Dondarian
1: on his yeah. quest. So, endless
0: quest. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, literally endless for Beric Dondarrion. Not even death. Is <laughs> not
0: it. even death can stop it, yeah. Uh, I will say, in the, in the Piper's defense, they did fight hard against the Lannisters. Uh, but, yeah. you know... With when Mark was captured, Edmure captured, Brendan Blackfish Tully is stuck in River Run. I can't really blame them for raising the the white flag at this point.
1: No, no, nor can I. Um so they come through the gate of the gods. There's a long line of farmers waiting to sell their produce. So the city seems to be bouncing back to what it was pre war, um which is good for the people, I suppose.
0: Yes. The gate of the gods. So remember, King's Landing is kind of like a diamond. You know, the northern, the north, there's a point at the north, a point at the west, east, and south. The gate of the gods uh, is on the western corner, it's where the King's Road runs into uh, yep. King's Landing. And so I was thinking about it. There's a lot of carts, like, there's a line. A, I think he says a couple dozen maybe or so right. carts okay. waiting to get in. And then when he gets in past them, there's people selling all kinds of stuff. And so I'm thinking either some of the places in the Riverlands fared better than what Arya saw. Or it must be coming from Stokeworth or some other Crownsland area that escaped the majority of the fighting and destruction. Because the places Arya saw, they would not have had some of the largest pumpkins that Jamie had ever
1: seen. And and you're talking about that as opposed to the Reach, because from the Reach, they would be coming along the Rose Road. Yes. Ah, interesting.
0: Yes, they wouldn't come... You wouldn't come through the Gate of the Gods if you were coming from the Reach. It just good call. Good, could be good. coming in the... You're going way out of your way to get to that gate.
1: I guess the farmland closest to King's Landing was not really troubled by the war, but the further you went, the worse it got. So, yeah... Still, still bodes ill for the winter. Yes, yes. And I'm
0: sure prices are at an all-time high for yeah. everything.
1: Yeah. It's interesting to me that quite a few people completely recognize Jamie despite that his changed appearance. But quite a few others don't recognize him. I mean, Cersei has no trouble. She immediately sees who it is, yes. even in presumably slightly gloomy sept. Yeah, uh, I thought
0: about that. She would recognize her twin's just general shape. You know his probably, his gait probably. his his but, but uh, he's been gone
1: for more than a year,
0: right? He's been gone since after the the attack on Ned at uh, in the streets. He fled after that. So that's I should have, re- been a I should long have looked while. up on
1: the timeline on this, but I'm betting that's got to be close to a year now. I
0: I think that you're probably right. At least a year. I, I would guess it's at least a year.
1: Yeah, we've only had one new year that we remember.
0: Yes, and which was just recent. We just had a new year just a few days ago. Yeah, I, I think you're you're probably pretty close to right. It being a year, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. But uh, I would think when it if it is your twin, and couple that with your twin who also happens to be your lover. Yes.
1: Couple that with the coupling. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. I feel like, because I thought about it, everyone else was kind of like, Jamie? But but she got it right away from a distance, probably in a kind of darkish room. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's believable that she would have recognized him.
1: Uh, another person who recognizes him quickly is Loras. Um, uh, but he meets some new Brothers of the Night's Watch, right? So Osmond Kettle Black is new to him. And Balin Swan, as well, was not Kingsguard when he... We'll be right back.
0: This episode is sponsored by Audible. To get a free audiobook, or two if you're an Amazon Prime member, go to our exclusive URL, audibletrial.com slash You can find the link in our show notes. Yes, and he he surely knew Loris before he became one of his brothers because he... He jousted with him in the famous match where the Valerian Steel Dagger traded hands. But Lor- so uh, Loras Tyrell joined after the Battle of the Blackwater. That's when the Tyrells showed up. Balon Swan replaced Preston Greenfield, who died in the riot. Yeah. And then Osmond Kettleblack joined when Sir Boris Blunt was stripped of his role for not protecting Tommen when Jocelyn Bywater took him on Tyrion's command on the way to Rosby. Do you remember all that? So all three of them have joined well after Jamie's departure from the city.
1: So Loras, of course, has not forgiven Brienne for killing Renly. Uh, I will say Brienne sticking to her story is kind of like slightly convincing of her innocence. There's a great out now. She, be, she could say Catelyn Stark did it. Right. and forced me to become her protector. <laughs> I'm glad she's dead.
0: Yes, that's, that is a story she could have gone with. Like, like Jamie says, even my horse could have come up with a better story than this <laughs> one about a Stannis's shadow killed Renly. Oh, uh,
1: yes. So, um, but then the decision to lock her up is slightly odd, I feel like. It's presumably primarily for her own safety to keep her away from uh, Loras. But also... I mean I mean what's the crime really? I mean given the fact that Joffrey's just been murdered who cares what happened to Renly? The usurper Renly Baratheon.
0: Right. I I think it's all about Loras, you know. Loras clearly had love for Renly and uh you know it, whether they were lovers or not it, it certainly seems like they were or at least there's a lot of rumors that they were but regardless he he loved Renly as a person. And uh, yeah, Jamie thinks she should be blowing me kisses because she looks hurt when he has Balon Swan take her to a tower cell. And he thinks he doesn't understand why, any, why does nobody get what I'm doing for them. It all goes back to Ares. And I oh, yeah. was thinking... It all goes back to the fact that you never tell anyone why you've done something. <laughs> if you had said to Brienne, "Brienne, I'll come, I'll come visit you shortly. It's all going to be fine," or something yeah. like that, you know, or if you had said, "I killed Ares because he was about to blow up the entire city and kill half a million people," maybe people wouldn't be so confused about why you do the things that you do. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. Loris was so angry about Renly's death that he he, he mentions here that and Kai said that it was Brienne that killed Renly with his dying breath. Oh, and the reason why Emin Kai was having a dying breath is because Renly was so upset. Of, it was is because Loris was so upset about Renly's death that he killed Robar Royce and Emin Kai who were the two that were guarding him outside of his tent. Right,
1: so. right. What, you, you brought up the, the possibility that Renly and Loras were lovers. Jamie makes that accusation here. He actually he says right. that uh, he would put the sword places that even Renly hadn't gone, which uh, clearly suggests that, Yes. I mean... Making that accusation is, you know, making that joke is one thing, but making it to Loras. And Loras barely even notices water off a duck's back for Loras that.
0: Yeah, true. Yeah. He didn't react in any way. Yeah. Yeah. I worry that this is, we don't know what's going to happen to Brienne, but as long as she gets out of this situation, we're being sent to this tower. cell. I worry that it's going to make it even harder for her. Because she's already a bit of an outcast. She doesn't fit the social norms of Westeros. Clearly doesn't make friends easily. easily. And now she's got this reputation that she killed Renly Baratheon.
1: It's good to have a friend called the Kingslayer, because that'll protect you a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) The Kingslayer and the Kingslayer. That's right. Which Kingslayer? (laughs) Uh, So... The twins are reunited and it's it's sweet for a little while and it's it's sad and mournful, you know. I mean Cersei is in the deepest of despair and then Jamie's return is is supposed to be joyful, but he is without a hand and they are mourning over their child's body, so uh and then it gets really creepy and weird.
0: It does. It definitely does <laughs> get really creepy and weird. It's the first time since of that brand chapter, I think that we actually saw them get down to such business. And uh-huh. I, it certainly wasn't from one of their POVs where we got all the the thoughts that were going on. It was from Brand's confused POV about right. what was happening there. So right. this was the first time we really got a, a, a full look at what's going on between the two of them. But, yeah. you know, one thing I noticed, well, actually, I shouldn't say I noticed, Jamie points out to us is that Cersei didn't go to him when she realized it was Jamie there wasn't that rushing into each other's arms scene that often happens with lovers in a reunion situation she just stood there and waited for him to come to her and she he thinks it's the way it's always been I she waits I go to her and uh you know given
1: the situation, I'll give her a pass on that one though. I mean
0: <laughs> she's deep in mourning and uh that yes, yeah. Yeah. Sure, yeah. There's also gotta be some learned behavior there over so many years. For, for she me. waits, he yeah. he goes to her.
1: But you know, if she'd been gone for a year and he was mourning over the body, she would have run to him. You will? you, bl- you I mean? think you think I she would have so. yeah. Possibly. Uh, so- Cersei, of course, insists that Tyrion is the one who killed Joffrey, and unfortunately, if you think about it, she does have some decent circumstantial evidence. He, uh, yeah, she yes, says he yes, killed him just as she said she would she said he would. And when I think myself safe and happy, that my joy will turn to ashes in my mouth. Well, all of that stuff that Tyrion said now looks pretty damning.
0: It does. It does. Hmm. He said that at lunch with Cersei when she, uh, you know, divulged that she had Aliaya captive. And that's why Cersei says to uh, Jamie that he killed Joffrey for a whore, right? Because she she thinks he's that they're
1: talking about Aliyah. And you know, given actually just just a thought on that, if somebody knows that, they should get a message to Aliyah quickly.
0: Get out of town. Get out of town. Yes. yes. Right. Right. And both Tywin and Tyrion have thought. And said that his big mouth would be his downfall someday. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was some foreshadowing over his big mouth providing a lot of evidence for why he uh, True. might have True killed the king yep. here. Several instances of him threatening death to Joffrey, including in front of his family when he said... Be careful, kings are dropping like flies just now.
1: That no, doesn't help yeah. Um
0: No, it doesn't help, doesn't help. Now you
1: notice Jamie thinking I, something about Tyrion. What was that? Yeah, so so Jamie thinks to himself,
0: could he could Tyrion really have killed Joffrey? He knows he's my son. I love Tyrion. I've always been good to Tyrion except that one time. But he doesn't know the truth about that. Okay. And Surely it's referring to him setting Tyrion up with Tysha to help Tyrion lose his virginity and then Tyrion went and fell in love. But
2: the Tyrion thing about
0: that... Does know about that. Yeah, because because Jaime told Tyrion uh, Tywin had Jamie tell Tyrion this was all set up, you know, I did this to help you lose your virginity. So either he's misremembering or there's more to this story that Tyrion doesn't know that is the bit that Tyrion doesn't know.
1: Uh, well, if you'll allow me to speculate. Um, speculate away. Well, if Tywin makes anyone say something to anyone else, and then the person forced to say something later thinks the person does not know the truth, I'm going to assume that Tywin made Jaime lie.
0: That is a distinct possibility. Mm-hmm. It surely is a distinct possibility.
1: Where the lie begins and ends, I don't know. Because there's a lot right. of story there. And what part of it is not true, I don't know. But that's that would be my suspicion. If Jamie thinks that Tyrion doesn't have the full truth of that story, that it's because what Jamie was made to say was coerced and untrue.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's very, very possible.
1: But and and, and primarily, primarily that is that she was a prostitute right
0: right that was the that that's was the what jamie told thing, yeah tyrion is that she was taisha was a prostitute that he hired cooked up this story to help tyrion lose his virginity
1: but could this true story be that he found a girl who wasn't a prostitute and coaxed her into hanging out with tyrion and you know hey he's second in line to castle rock you might want to be nice to him sure that's a
0: possibility as well we just don't know yet. Okay. All right, fine. But what one thing we do know is that Jaime is sick of hiding his love for Cersei, and he straight up asks her to stand up and tell the world that it's him that she wants and marry him and basically asking her to give up royalty and political position for him.
1: Yeah, He's had a long time in sort of isolation, and I wonder if that's sort of... Kind of terrible ideas can foster when you don't have a chance to discuss them with other people, and uh, right. I wonder if that's what's going on here. Maybe, maybe it works. I mean, the Targaryens did similar things, and it caused rifts in the church, but eventually they reestablished their grip on the land. But it feels like this would be—I mean, think about it—you immediately undermine your own claim to the throne.
0: Yes, that was Jay- that that is Cersei's argument. She brutally rebuffs this idea, calls them stupid, and says it costs cost them everything. Right. Yeah. And you know that yeah, like you're saying that Tommen's right to the throne is derived from Robert. So it, it but you know, to Jamie, it's their relationship that is everything. Cersei clearly doesn't f- feel the same way about their relationship.
1: Right, true enough, yeah.
0: But, um, you know, on the surface, the idea sounds, you know, probably in Jamie's head. He's had a lot of time in a dungeon, a lot of time on the road. Probably feels like Lannisters are in a pretty strong place in the realm now. True. And they could handle this. But, you know, the Tyrell Alliance could be in jeopardy. If they run afoul with the Faith here, you lose them, you lose the Reach. You lose the Stormlands because... Many will assume that Stannis was right and that Tommen is not a Baratheon and Stannis is the rightful heir to the throne. Uh, you know, and that could give Stannis the boost that he so desperately needs, especially if he were to assure the Tyrells of their position as Lord Paramounts of the Mander is safe from, you know, the the Florence.
1: Uh, who, of course, that's his in-laws, so... I I, yes, I would want well. that written in very strong <laughs> wording if I was the Tyrells.
0: Right. And and in background, we'll see why the Jaime-Cersei pairing isn't the same as the Targaryens, uh, and uh, why it might not be looked upon as acceptably as Ares and his wife Rhaella was here at the end of their yeah. uh, dynasty. Okay. But Jaime, Cersei senses a change in Jaime, and... You know, it, it might be that he's been through so much to get to her, and then she just sends him away, and, and him realizing that maybe their their desires no longer align.
1: Yeah. I don't think it changes Jamie's mind, though.
0: About how he feels about Cersei.
1: In fact, I think that becomes apparent in the later part of the chapter with Tywin. Yeah. Because to me, I mean, just jumping ahead, but to me, his rejection of Tywin's plan is based around him wanting to be with Cersei, pure and simple. Right. If if sure, Tywin sure. said, Cersei's moving back to Castle Rock, Right. <laughs> he'd be like, well, actually, I don't want to be Lord Commander of the King of scars anymore.
0: <laughs> this left hand is useless. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, I can't even hold that Valerian still
1: dagger with this left hand, let alone a sword. So obviously, the relationship between Jamie and Cersei is pretty revolting to everybody. Uh, there are some added facets thrown in here. They're so doing it uh, uh, while she uh, has a visit from her Aunt Flo and also right. uh, over the body of their son of incest. Right. Yeah. According to Jenny of Oldstones, this is uh, distasteful. Arbiter of taste that she is.
0: Yes, I'm guessing she's not alone there.
1: (laughs) So Tywin was meeting with Mace Tyrell and Oberyn Martell together. Talk me through this, McKelly.
0: Well, it's just a big deal because there's such a dislike, especially mostly on the part of Mace disliking Oberyn because that's how Mace's heir and oldest son Willis was injured, was a, a tilt between Oberyn and Willis.
1: But mean, and Willis
0: have buried the hatchet, right? They they have. They exchange letters and stuff, but Mace, not so much. So either, or I don't know what they were talking about, but two possibilities that come to mind are maybe Tywin is making sure that the two are stable after the death of a king because we don't need to be adding more issues to this full plate of we just had the death of a king. So you two be on your best behavior. Mm Right, that is one option, yeah.
1: and the second one is wedding proposals.
0: Right, because both are brought up by Tywin as well. Well, not Mace, but
1: no, no, no. But 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 Tyrells and Martells to marry Lannisters. Yes, yes. Specifically, so that is a, specifically Marjorie to Jamie and Oberyn to Cersei. To Cersei. Hmm. Yes. Interesting. I mean, obviously. Tywin's moving pieces there, and those are very solid alliances if you can forge them that way. Yeah, yeah, it was, certainly would be. The one thing I'll say is, it's a slightly weird thing to do if you're promising that to them, because there's a couple of things missing. First of all, Jaime Lannister is missing.
2: <laughs> right. Second
1: of all, Jaime and Cersei's buy into the plan is missing. And I mean, Tywin rules with a fist of iron, but his kids have minds of their own. Not just Tyrion. They sure do.
0: Yeah. You know, I wondered if maybe Tywin is telling Jamie this this plan, this marriage plan for, for Jamie and Cersei. I wonder if possibly he knows yes. about something going on with Jamie and Cersei. And he's wanting to see how Jamie responds to this idea. And not necessarily that Jamie he would expect Jamie to be like, oh yeah, this is a great idea. But maybe. He's hoping that he will say too much and give Tywin the proof that he's wondering about. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So Tywin did of course know that Jamie was had been freed. He hadn't he hadn't arrived back yet, so he could start to make wedding plans for him, I suppose.
0: Uh speaking of confirmation, we also get confirmation that the ghost of Highheart Heart was spot on with another premonition. Now, we had a we had a hunch that he was, she was about to be spot on because we knew that Gregor Clegane was headed toward
1: Harrenhal. Oh, no, I know what you're going to say now.
0: Yeah, So one of the things, one of the premonitions that the Ghost of Highheart had was, in the Hall of Kings, the goat sits alone and fevered, as the great dog descends upon him. And we know that the mountain took Harrenhal easily, and the and Bargo Hote, A.K.A. the goat was sitting alone half mad with pain and fever from an infected wound and that the brave companions by in large part abandoned him so he was he was truly sitting alone pain and fevered, which is pretty much spot on what the ghost of high heart said was going to happen yeah jamie's excited to tell brienne about Vargo Hoth's ear, but he's not expecting her to be as excited about it as he is no. because she's so upset and she's just not the kind of person that would be like, Oh, that's really, yeah, that's really ironic. Yeah. I get the humor in yeah. that, you know, well, it
1: has cheered me up somewhat here in my cell. <laughs> yes. And
0: one thing Tywin tells, it's just this little detail. Tywin tells Jamie, uh, he knows, he, he knew pretty early on that, that Jamie had been released from the dungeon. At Hall. And he says, I sent men into the Riverlands to look for you. One of the names he mentions is Samwell Spicer, eh? who happens to be the cousin of Sybil and Rolf Spicer, right? who are Queen Jane's oh, mother and uncle.
1: I who the so Spice
0: not all so the Spicers so have come over to Rob Stark's side. And if you recall, Grey Wind didn't like... The family for the uh, in general, but specifically, really didn't like Rolf Spicer. And I just wonder Mm -hmm. if maybe there's some connection between... I
1: think think you're onto something. Tywin's plan is to put Tyrion on trial for the murder murder of Joffrey. Um, I think it's a dangerous thing because Uh we saw what happened when Tyrion was put on trial in the Eyrie. He's still amongst us. Right. And a trial by combat. He might have someone like Jamie Lannister fighting for him although honestly Jamie's not such a great choice right now but you know <laughs> <laughs> Bronn might be a better option Exactly
2: yeah
0: Yeah how how does this work I mean Jamie I mean, his immediate thought is in this den of liars he knew what sort of evidence would be found yeah. So you know is it, a, is it a good idea to be doing this why not just say, you know, the maesters discovered that Joffrey choked, and then handle the situation in-house? Yeah.
1: Strangle him yourself. <laughs>
0: right. Why, why put such a black eye on the family publicly by having your son dragged through a a trial oh. for regicide, of all things? Yeah. Now, if it was Cersei unchecked, surely there's this would be nothing but a kangaroo court. Right. You know, but, you know, with Tywin in charge, he doesn't exactly have the most fond mm-hmm. feelings about. But
1: again, there is there is that little thread of maybe Tywin would like to hide his own crime here. Right. Finding Tyrion guilty of this would actually help to hide his own culpability, perhaps.
0: We we did discuss that. And Jamie sees a possible flaw in the accusation when he's like, why would Tyrion poison Joffrey in front of everyone? Right. And how would he have this is my own personal question, how would he have gotten that poison if this was a spur of the moment.
1: Right. Unless you just carry it around just in case. Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Accidentally take it instead of like your Tums or something. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um so Tywin again, you know, as we were saying, he was he's trying to get Jamie to leave the King's Guard. He's he's been trying to get Jamie to leave the King's Guard for nineteen years now without success. Mm-hmm. Um, right to become the heir of Castle Rock, and uh, you know he's already rejected Tyrion as heir to Castley Rock, so he really needs uh, Jamie to say yes to this. Um, he's got a whole plan for it. He's going to bribe the Faith to release the vow, marry Marjorie Tyrell. Uh, they then go to Castle Rock and take Tommen with them to get him away from Cersei, which probably would be good for Tommen. Actually, I, I, Squ- I squiring at Castle okay. Rock with Marjorie and Jamie yeah. might actually be kind of good for it um here's the thing here's the thing i'd like to talk about i think tywin knows what jamie and cersei get up to i think deep down he knows and deep down therefore he knows why jamie wants to be in the kingsguard and he knows how when he joined the kingsguard and jamie and cersei was taken from king's landing it was a real pain to him if he really wants jamie to leave the kingsguard all he has to do is take cersei back to casterly rock right send her back to name her his heir to Casterly Rock and send her back. Uh-huh. I see what you're saying. And then say to Jamie, hey,
0: you want to leave the Kingsguard now? <laughs> right. If Jamie all of a sudden is all for it, you know, then you you uh, might have uh, uncovered a situation yeah. here. Yeah. He, like you said, he, he Tywin, had this whole thing planned out. I mean, all the way down to Marjorie and and Jamie leaving for Casterly Rock with Tommen. And, you know, he's got to be pretty disappointed that it didn't go the way he was hoping that
1: it would. Beauty of my my thought, really, actually, is that you don't even have to free Jamie from his vow. The king, Tommen, and Cersei are going to move to Casterly Rock for safety until Tommen is of age. I'm going to stay here as Hand of the King. The Lord Commander of the Kingsguard is going to protect the king in Casterly right. Rock. Right.
0: Yes, that's not a bad idea. Well,
1: everybody's happy. And somehow <laughs> no. Cersei had a fourth child from Robert Baratheon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so,
0: being that we're talking about so much about Jamie's hand and the implications of it, the re- Hote's reasoning for cutting off his hand is kind of muddled. And I wondered, would it be helpful? To refresh our memories as to why Vargo Hope would have cut off Jamie Lannister's hand, knowing that this could be such a bad idea.
1: Well, I mean, it seemed like it was impetuousness, you know, so... Well,
0: I, I, can, I can walk us through the details okay, if on. you think it'd be go helpful. On. Remember, it was Tywin that brought the brave companions to Westeros. Yes. Tywin left Hall. And then Roose made a deal with the Brave Companions to join Roose's cause, and Roose would give Vargo Hote Harrenhal. Right now, Hote figured that Stannis would win the Battle of the Blackwater and confirm him as Lord Commander. I mean, as Lord of Harrenhal, which probably would have been very wrong on that assumption. But yeah. you know, whatever. When the Brave Companions captured Jaime, they cut off his hand to theoretically send the message to Tywin, but also to dishonor Roose because Hote was one of Roose's men uh, when he did the deed. Now, Why is he trying to discredit Roose? Because he's afraid that Roose would make a deal with Tywin after Tywin wins the Battle of the Blackwater and hand the brave companions over as traitors to the Lannisters. So he was attempting to discredit Roose and make it harder for an alliance between Roose and Tywin. On top of all that, he planned to sell Jamie to Rickard Carstark for Rickard's daughter's hand in marriage to become Lord of Carhold, getting him well away from the reach of Tywin. Of course, it all started to fall apart when Rickard was killed, and so that part of the plan wasn't going to happen. So, Roos explains all this to Jamie at that dinner with Jamie and Brienne and Roos and asks, Jamie to inform Tywin that Roos had no part in Hot's plan and this was just a a guy who went went out on his own to do this and he that's why he was letting Jamie go, so that, you know, to help smooth over any uh rough feelings here. Now Roos did still give Vargo Hote Harrenhal when he left, but mostly that was because he knew that the Lannisters would coming, easily be able yeah. to take it back. Yeah. So that, that's, as I, as I, best I understand it, that is how all that went down.
1: Yes. But one interpretation of the whole Tywin's behavior at the end of this chapter for me is that he's recognizing that he can't keep Jamie from Cersei, that no matter what he does, they won't change their ways. And Jamie previously has been showing himself to willing to sacrifice everything for Cersei. And that feeling is undiminished with time. And this was right. the last chance to get back into Tywin's good graces. And Jamie wouldn't even consider it. it didn't even it Didn't even take a day to think about it. it. Told him flat out no. And so Tywin washes his right. hands of him right there and then, you know, says, you're not my son, which is pretty, like you said, that's there's no coming back from that. Yeah, that's rough. I
0: I do hope that cooler heads prevail and and the two of them can make up and uh, you know, Jamie's got a Valyrian steel sword waiting for him. He he almost got the gift, and then he uh, was like, "No, nah, I don't want to deal with any gifts right that, now." That
1: was the gift. Do, you, uh, do we know that was the gift, or are you just hypothesizing? We can't we can't know because it was Jamie's POV. He would have seen it,
0: right? Right. But we do know that Tywin had, had yeah. the sword made as yeah. a gift for Jamie. So uh, assume that's what he was going to give him
1: there. Well, give us some background, but why don't you?
0: All right. Well. As I mentioned earlier, I was gonna, I was going to tell you why this is might not work out the way that uh, Jaime would would like him marrying Cersei and announcing it to the world. So, yes, Jaime wants to marry Cersei, as the Targaryens had done for centuries, and it is true that Targaryens did marry brothers to sisters, uh, also uncles to nieces, and other types of interfamily options. However, until King Jaehaerys smoothed things out with the faith the practice was not well received by the realm. As an example, the second Targaryen king of Westeros and the son of Aegon the Conqueror, King Aenys I, wed his son Aegon to his daughter Rhaena. The decision went over like a lead balloon with Mm -hmm. the rest of the realm. The faith denounced the union. Septon Mermesson was expelled from the faith and later hacked to bits for performing the ceremony. The lords and small folk alike turned on king abomination as he was dubbed at one point during their procession after their wedding Aegon and Rhaena were actually besieged at Krakal, and this news caused King Aenys to take ill and he eventually died a broken man much because of the marrying of his children to each other so the issues with the Targaryens and the realm over incestuous marriages continued until Aeney's younger son, Jaehaerys, finally worked with the faith to craft what's called the Doctrine of Exceptionalism, which we've talked about way back in A Game of Thrones. So I'm going to tell you all this over again as a refresher. So the Doctrine's basic principles were as such. The faith of the seven had been born in Andalus, where the laws and the holy text said incest was an abomination. The doctrine backs this, but with one caveat. The Targaryens were not like other people, as they rode dragons and were the only ones to do so since the doom of Valyria. In addition, they have their roots in Valyria, not Andalus, with different laws and traditions. The Targaryens wed brother to sister, as the Valyrians had always done, and since the gods made them this way, it wasn't for men to judge. And another key bit of exceptionalism is that the Targaryens were immune to common illness that could kill other men. So, to spread the word, they sent seven speakers to preach the doctrine
1: throughout Westeros. Thank you, McKelly. So... Um, by the way you guys will get the edited version of that but it was absolute torture to listen to <laughs>
0: <laughs> one sentence
1: the that one sentence i think tripped me up like five times <laughs> comparison with the television show uh to this point i've been a bit jokey jokey about the sex scene uh cersei raised a few logical objections but she appeared to be a relatively willing participant not so much in the television show. Uh, I'll come to it, but I'll rewind a little to, to a decision that had some ramifications on this chapter. Brienne and Jamie arrived back in King's Landing a couple of episodes before the Purple Wedding. I I didn't mention that because I didn't want it to be a spoiler that Jamie got back to King's Landing, but he was there at the Purple Wedding. Yeah, I think I, right. I mentioned there was a character there that I couldn't mention. Um okay. Um, I, I've read that this was done because they decided that Storm of Swords was too large for one series. So they wanted to accelerate some storylines to give all the characters something to do in season three. Sure. But it felt like Jamie and Brienne had plenty in season three, so I don't really understand it. Okay, fine. But anyway, uh, it left a couple of challenging plot points. First, Jamie and Brienne don't seem to do anything about Sansa when they arrive. You see, the thing is, Brienne can't do anything about Sansa because she's absconded. But in the TV show, she was there. But there for the she didn't do anything. They mill around King's Landing, but the events of the Purple Wedding unfold with Brienne and Jamie standing around looking useless. Uh, now, huh. Sansa's marriage to Tyrion had complicated the issue for Brienne, but you'd at least have expected her to swear fealty to her or something like that. Right. Or, as an alternative, follow through on the Loras locking her up idea. That gives... Uh, Brienne an excuse for not protecting Sansa but that plot was dropped entirely in fact Loras doesn't notice Brienne's there despite the fact he thinks she killed Renly so the whole thing begins to look a bit stretched secondly it all compounds and confuses the issue of Jaime's attitude towards Tyrion in the book he learns of Cersei's daft accusation but in the show he witnesses the crime and the pointing at Tyrion not necessarily a bad thing, but it's definitely a significant deviation because Jamie sure is is no longer just relying on yeah. what Cersei tells him; he she, she saw it for himself. And lastly, sure. the sex scene with Cersei it 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 made no sense in the TV show because Jamie hadn't just arrived. It made a certain amount of sense, and it. it was revolting, but it made sense in the book because he just arrived after a year away. But the show compounded the daftness by making it. Very rapey, and if Jamie is on a redemption arc, which he kind of seems to be, there's no redemption from raping your sister over the body of your child. Agreed, so I don't know that 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 whole thing made it very difficult. The Tywinner Jamie scene was deferred until season four, so this is what I'm saying. You see, this book was split over season three and season four. And it did include the presentation of the Valerian Steel Sword, but it ended much the same. Jamie waves the sword around with his left hand a little bit, but he can't put it back in the scabbard and Tywin has to help him. Oh
0: goodness. Uh,
1: but but the content of the discussion is very, very similar. He
0: absolutely refuses to budge. Well, so much of this is is vastly
1: different. It's not vastly different. I mean, the yeah. the big well, the big ways... ticket things happen, but the decisions that they made in the TV show cast a Pull over the whole thing, which is which is different right uh
0: Jamie coming back, seeing his sister, they're both emotional relations happen right. over the over their dead son's body I mean that's terrible on so many levels, but compared to the t v show where he'd been around for weeks and then he just decides to rape his sister over his son's dead body, that is. Yeah very very different situation and i didn't remember that you know i've stopped watching the show so that i can have only book canon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i didn't remember that that's
1: but but the thing is it's it's just so strange to me because jamie and cersei had plenty going on in storm of swords you didn't need to accelerate their timeline i don't think it i been perfectly fine to them or for them to arrive and all the purple wedding had already happened you know
0: sure sure so yeah, it doesn't seem like Jamie and Brienne brought anything to the purple wedding that they needed to be no. there for it.
1: it. Apart from kind of, they were sort of like ghosts at the feast. It was like, what are those two people doing here? You know? Why, <laughs> isn't, why isn't the tall lady escorting the red-haired child out of here at 100 miles an hour? You know? Right. Hmm. All right. Uh, pedantry uh, I don't know. I mean, the whole the whole sex scene is just, I mean, it's, character choices but it's it's i don't know it's very strange uh yeah i don't have anything to say really it's not real pedantry anything
0: i've got nothing all
1: right news and notes well we had a really great time having a video chat with our lord paramounts and royal kingsguard last night um it was it was really (laughs) fun it was really entertaining and what are you laughing at
0: yes (laughs) <laughs> because the best part of the whole thing was the last five seconds.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see, for those who don't know, the whole video is on a... There's a timer that ticks down, and the video just ends at that timer. And uh,
0: It ticks down to one minute. Then it just says under, under a minute. minute. So we
1: don't know, but we know we've only got a minute left, and I started singing with five seconds, to, and I got exactly one word out before the phone. <laughs> yes. The call and
0: you were... Exactly how you were trying to time it too. <laughs> <laughs> people were trying to coax you into singing and you kept stalling and stalling and stalling. And then right as you sang, it ended. It was quite funny, uh, quite funny. Yep. But some some of the other topics, we uh, we discussed how Littlefinger got the uh, Valerian Steel dagger. We, we came up with some theories about yep. that. And uh, we talked about how, uh, about people that we know that are related to famous uh-huh. people.
1: Greenfire knew Led Zeppelin.
0: Led Zeppelin's no, cl- daughter? No, the drummer's daughter. Close enough. Yeah,
1: yeah. Best buds with Led Zeppelin <laughs> in my book.
0: Yes, right, all right. And of course we know the niece of a very famous very famous person. Uh, uh, and the uh oh and one of the things we discussed was the the Game of Thrones battle episodes versus plot driven yeah, episodes. Yeah,
1: it was interesting that that everybody I think was on roughly on the same page. It seemed like yes. the battles were fun, but the real meat of it is the is the the characters and the discussions and the.
0: Yes, I completely agree yeah. with that. So, yeah, we have a great time. It's always so much fun. And so, speaking of uh, buy me a coffee and our sustainers. We're planning to make some changes to our Buy Me A Coffee tiers in the near future. So we're just kind of giving you a heads up that if you like a particular tier and have been on the fence about joining, now will be a good time to do so. Once you're in a tier, you get what you were promised when you joined, regardless of yeah. what Even if we rename that we tier,
1: make. you'll still have it. Yeah.
0: Yes. And if you if you like a different tier, you could always move to a different tier, but you will be locked into that tier. So if you're on the fence about joining and I might be biased, but I would suggest that you do consider joining uh, now might be the time to do yes, it. I agree.
1: All right, so right. Let's conclude. Uh, so it feels like Jamie and Tywin really are sundered forever unless Jay- unless Tywin can find it in him to apologize. Doesn't sound like Tywin to me. Uh, it does not. And, and I really do think that Jamie's sole motivation is proximity to Cersei. And so I, Tywin is Tywin is missing a trick here. I, I honestly think Tywin suspects, knows, but he can't bring himself to use her as bait.
0: I, your idea is mm. spot on. But that's the thing. Really he can't think...
1: bring himself to use it as bait because, because he doesn't want to encourage it.
0: Yeah, he could do the reverse of what he said. He Did you say he could leave Tommen in King's Landing with him?
1: Well, I said no, send Tommen with his mother to Castle Rock yeah.
0: while he but he's trying to get access, those two away from true. each other.
1: But yeah, he could leave Tommen there and, and he could raise Tommen Right. as his regent.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. You're on to something. Now there's one word that is the very last word that Jamie says in the chapter. There's this long, tense silence between the two of them and Jamie says father and that's when Tywin snaps and says you are not my son you say you only want to be the lord commander of the king's guard well do your duty sir and i was i was wondering if that father was Jamie starting to cool down and be like
2: maybe I,
0: I, I, you know i i'm sorry I, that didn't come out how i meant it yeah. to come out and so, I'm kind of hoping that uh, cooler heads will prevail, as I've said a few times. Maybe, you know, Jamie was just hangry. You're very
1: generous to want this to work out because. <laughs> well, it's a father and a son, you know. You see? That's you with your boundless <laughs> love. Uh, <laughs> Jamie and Cersei, they're becoming more self destructive and nihilistic, it seems to me. And if he presses his idea of being open, then I, I don't know. I don't know if Cersei talks him out of it or. If they do it and they plunge the realm into turmoil again. uh, Anyway, I I don't like the way that's
0: going. No, I agree. Where does it go from here? Will he do his his usual forget about his own desires for her? Or will they find themselves at an impasse as he decided, you know what? If you don't want to be with me the way I want to be with you then I don't want to be with you anymore. Yeah. You know, We're assuming that his love for Cersei is going to triumph overall, but maybe he's like, I've had enough of this. Both of you two, I'm going back to Riverrun. Maybe he's more like
1: <laughs> me, yeah, after all.
0: Yes, yes maybe. I, I feel bad, you know, poor Tywin. That conversation couldn't have gone any worse than what he probably envisioned it going in his mind.
1: <laughs> right, you yeah. Know?
0: He was thinking, oh, I've got this all planned out. I doubt he was thinking Jamie's going to love the idea of marrying Marjorie Tyrell uh, and leaving the Kingsguard. But, you know, I guess he figured he's got he doesn't have a sword hand anymore. I'm going to convince him of this. We're going to get everything straightened out. It's going to go so well. And boy, did not at all.
1: Uh, Things are a bit harsh on Brienne. She's very depressed and now has been arrested for a crime she didn't commit. And Loris' right. unforgivingness really sort of compounds the suspicion that he, that Renly meant more to him than just a king. Uh, uh, yes. S- okay. So if Loris was doing a bit of PR, he might think about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I feel for Brienne. She seems so sad. Yeah, she despondent in does. this chapter. I hope she can find, you know, I feel for her. She finally had a purpose. She she she's had two. She had uh, you know she was part of Renly's uh, Rainbow Guard, and then Renly died, and then she became Catelyn's sworn sword, and she got this mission from Catelyn, this quest to go bring Jamie to King's Landing and bring back her cat's daughters, and now that's all fallen apart, and it feels like just every quest she takes on ends in uh, disaster yep. and with the person she's serving dead. Yep, but. All uh, right,
1: where are we going next week mckelly
0: so next week we are finally leaving king's landing after what feels like a month and a half oh wait a, it's well been about a month and right. a half yeah so oh, we are actually off to dragonstone where davis is up to something and you're gonna want to tune in and find out what he's up Good to, to.
1: all right there's four ways that you could help us you could leave us a positive review to help spread the word if you could, particularly on apple podcasts that would be awesome um People don't listen to us on Apple Podcasts because we don't have enough reviews. So people don't think we're a good podcast. On other platforms, we've got a lot of reviews and people listen to us. But uh, we fall behind on Apple because we don't have enough reviews. So anything you could do to help us would be greatly appreciated. Uh,
0: Absolutely. You could
1: buy merchandise at ghostsofhironhall.threadless.com. You can buy us a cup of Arbor Gold at buymeacoffee.com slash ghostharrenhall. Or consider joining the uh, Buy Me Coffee Sustainer tiers, Knight of the Realm or Lord Paramount. And you'll help to keep us going and you get some really cool perks and grandfathered into those perks if we change these tiers later on. Or you can just make a donation at our website, ghostofharrenhall.buzzsprout.com. And, you know, if you're looking to keep up on the latest
0: news and information uh, from Ghosts of Hall, you can go out and follow us on our social media accounts. We're on Twitter, at Ghosts Harrenhal. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Discord, and YouTube. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye.